Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Natasha Davis of Impact Branding about how to start, stabilize, and scale a business. She's a uh, brand strategist. She's a corporate trainer and the uh, CEO of Impact Brand Consulting, where they uh, specialize in helping companies develop and expand profitability of their brand. I love that focus for brand. Frequently, brand is thought of as this squishy thing that either you're Coca-Cola and you already have it, and then you say it's your brand, or you're a small company. You just have to believe the brand's doing something for you. But when you when you add the word profitability to brand, I really like that, Natasha. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Sky. Looking forward to dropping a few golden nuggets over here, talking about that branding. <laughs> Absolutely. So you've got a, I feel like a late night show here where I'm like, thanks for coming on. Tell me about your new book. Um, <laughs> you've got a book that came out um, that is what the 25 valuable golden nuggets. And we're going to go over at least five of those today, whatever we have time for. We'll, we'll see if we can get through five of them today. Uh, a question I had when I saw the combination of a brand agency and our topic for start, stabilize, and scale a business, something that's been in my mind and probably is an episode after episode recently on this show, when is it appropriate for certain marketing practices? So I'm thinking when you're starting a business, should a starting starting a business, should they be thinking about brand or is that something that there's a certain point in the business where that comes into play? I mean, I know you have to pick your name and your color and those are kind of brand things, but when it comes to developing a brand of who you are, um, when should companies start thinking about that? Assuming you didn't just get, you know, $500 million in investment money, in which case you're thinking about everything immediately. Right, right, exactly. So that is a question I get a lot. Um, and I often encounter businesses who think that there is a special time um, that they're supposed to think of branding. And to be honest, the appropriate time to think about the strategic branding, the whole infrastructure of the company is at the very point that you think of a business or you think of a product. I thought you were going to say February, but okay. <laughs> February or the third quarter of the second yeah. <laughs> year of uh, business operations, right? Yeah, no, a lot of times businesses, and, and again, people, let's talk about the small business uh, set, right? So when we talk about, you know, micro entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, they usually think they don't have a brand. So therefore they put no attention or emphasis on strategic branding. The problem with that is, a lot of trial and error goes in, a lot of money goes down the toilet, and a lot of sleepless nights unnecessarily because we didn't stop and really evaluate what will this brand, this company stand for. Larger corporations already know we have to develop the brand before we develop pricing, before we develop messaging, before we even roll out multiple product lines, before we know where we're going to be geographically, larger companies and corporations understand it. So the time to think about branding is when you have the idea for the business, the product or the services at the point of thought. That's what I like to call it. Branding is at the point of thought. Um, if you roll out a product or you roll out a service and you have no brand, no foundation, no infrastructure to it. That's where a lot of the microwave marketing comes in, the trial and error marketing comes in, the and then and then you put two weeks in marketing possibly and then you say marketing doesn't work. Advertising okay. doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm wondering if I did a I made an error here in that I always speak of the word data as a pronoun and it seems like brand may also be a word that encompasses multiple things. So I could be talking, thinking of one thing with branding. So the mm -hmm. type of branding you're talking about, yes. I mean, you have to think about what's my company name. Does it make sense? What am I called? All these things, who are we as a company? Right. Um, but I, I guess I'm thinking more brand marketing where you're okay. running marketing campaigns specifically for the purpose of developing brand. Interesting. So, and I love what you said. So I like people to, to really encapsulate what this really means. A brand is a noun. Branding is the verb. A brand is a noun. Branding, the activities of it is the verb. And so normally what happens is people roll out and they start doing a lot of activities without tying it back to the brand, which is the person. 
I get so granular with this. I'm like, your brand is a person. What's the characteristics of that person? How does that person dress? Now, where should that person be, right? Now, if I'm going to take, let's give a really good example, right? So we have a priest, a pastor, a bishop, or whatever, right? Would you expect to see that priest, pastor, or bishop sitting in a strip club? No, unless, he's, unless he's there to save, yeah. <laughs> they're saving souls, right? But you know, he's not out there making it rain in a strip club. And that probably wouldn't be true. Every time I see a priest in a strip club and he's like, I'm saving souls, I'm like, no, that's your cover, man. <laughs> I saw you make it rain. I saw you make it rain. You're making it rain over here. Saving <laughs> souls one dollar at a time. I don't believe it. <laughs> right? So that's the same premise. So the brand is the noun, the person, right? And then the branding is the verb, the activities, the things that's being done. So if we reach into marketing, which is a form of activity, that's a verb. If we reach into marketing, we don't have an identity for the person, brand, the noun, then we're in the wrong place. That's the same concept as putting a pastor in a strip club. Right, right. So now if that pastor was, if his church was branded as saving these people, saving street people, stuff like that, saving... Yeah then having him be in there actually actively doing those activities would make sense. But you'd have to brand him as that first. Every, otherwise, everybody's just shaking their head being like, oh, no, no, you yeah. pervert. Another one's down. Another So looking at it and saying, I love the idea of having a mascot, basically, you're saying to make almost. Maybe for most startups, it's their one of the founders is kind of the mascot. Some people actually create a cartoon or something like that. Yeah. That's their mascot. Yeah. But if you don't... Uh, I don't know, I kind of connected then to movies and TV shows where it seems like if your marketing doesn't have that that mascot as a company or a, or a strong company brand in place, you see a character in a show that does something and, and it takes you out of the show where you're like, wait, that character did that to move the plot forward, but that character wouldn't do that. That's not that person's brand. That's exactly. off brand for them. So exactly. if your marketing doesn't have that mascot to follow, then they're going to be all over the place, schizophrenic off brand, and it's not going to be cohesive. Yeah, definite brand confusion. Marketing can bring brand confusion very easily. So I, I like to make sure we are clear when we step into this business space, right, Sky? We have to make sure people are clear what comes first, what comes second, what comes third. Branding comes before marketing. Marketing then comes, um, and then you have advertising. So it's you brand, you market, you advertise. Here's where we have the, the disconnect People advertise, then they market, then they advertise again, then they do some marketing. And then five years later, they're like, okay, no wonder we're not hitting it because we don't have a brand. Nobody knows us. No one knows what to patron us for or how to patron us or what to expect. So when the brand shows up into the, into the atmosphere, the, the logo, the business, the service, the product, when it shows up in the atmosphere, it's been marketed one way but when the customer has to engage with the brand, it's something completely different. Um, uh, one of the, mm. the, you know, in the, the construction world, what do they say? Measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. Spend the time building the strategy, knowing where to go. What are we going to say when we get there? Who are we going to say it to, right? Those are the simple five P's of marketing. And unfortunately, because we have all these other sexy terminologies and sexy platforms going on, people run away from the standard basic five P's of marketing that has built the entire, the entire industry of marketing. There is no marketing agency company, no marketing strategy, no plan, no nothing that has gone off without the five P's. We just don't talk about it or we think we can cherry pick in it. So I have a product that has a price that needs to be promoted to certain people in a certain place. Five P's of marketing. Now, when we start to deviate from that, people do what? Well, I got a product and I got a price. Okay, where are you going to market it? Who, you know what I mean? Who are you going right. to market to? Am I marketing the right product to the right people in the right place? All of those elements, like when you just sit down and people get nervous, most, you know, micro businesses, they get really nervous when they hear branding. And that's why they, they start to decompress the true essence of strategic branding by calling it something that it is not. I think you might need five P's and a B. Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to do all those things on brand. 
You really do. I mean, you really do. I, I think that I, I love branding. I love strategy. And I love to help businesses to, to connect the dots and to simplify it. See, unfortunately, branding and marketing, just business overall, over the past few years or, or decade or so, really, it has become extremely complicated. It, it became very simple, but also it became complicated. Here's what I mean by that, right? So if I want to, if I want to attract international business today, it's easier for me to do that than it would be about 30 years ago. However, in order for me to grab the attention of that market, I have to do so much more. Right. So now arms, the, we've got this arms race, right? They're like, look, we have so many more arms now. You're like, but so does all my competition. I have to be everywhere now. It was just do an ad buy. I'm done. <laughs> and you're done, right? Pick an ad, pick a, a distribution, a publication, do an ad, stay in there. You're good. Now you got to do a video. You got to do this. You got to get graphics for the post. You got to make sure you have 15 hashtags. You got to remember to do this. Don't forget to talk. It's so complex. So when you, when you step back and you say, okay, where are my customers? Who are my people? What do we stand for? What do we not stand for? That actually shapes the foundation and the roadmap for how you will market, how you will advertise, right, guys? So you brand, then you market, then you advertise. So Here's I think that's, you've answered my, my initial question there. Um, I see the marketing as the, that's the direct marketing work, getting lead gen, getting traffic, the advertising is the marketing that is brand building marketing where you're really this big umbrella and then you're hoping people flow through to your other direct channels. So, so when it comes to, yes, you have to brand initially, but then you, you advertise that brand in this general branding, promoting the brand itself mm -hmm. comes after you've done the, the ground level in the trenches marketing work that's getting actual traction and revenues and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that's really interesting because when we talk about being successful, that's one of the things you got to learn how to pimp your marketing. That's the main thing I tell them. Pimp your marketing. Your brand is your strategy. Your marketing is your psychological aspect of this whole chain. And advertising is going to be the great equalizer. So what you do is you go ahead and you, you, you do what you need to do with your brand, right? You do what you need to do with your brand, the strategy, be relevant around now decisions. Brand is about being relevant around now decisions. Then you take your marketing and you need to pimp your marketing. You need to plan it, implement it, monitor it, and pivot it. But now you're pushing the message, the infrastructure, the foundation. You're taking it, you're mobilizing that thing. Now you want to advertise, you need to rip into it. So what do you do with advertising? You reinforce, you inform, and you persuade. So I tell people, pimp your marketing, and you want to rip into the market with advertising. And if Not you don't tell them what that acronym means, they're just going to be like, okay, I got to pimp and rip. And who knows what they're going to do? Like, that's dangerous. You got to make sure you get into the acronym. Otherwise, they're just going to come up with their own definition of what it means exactly. to pimp and rip. No, I'm, pimping ripping. I'm pimping and ripping, right? And so that's the thing. If you sit down and you say, okay, now that I know who my audience is, brand strategy. I know who my audience is. I know that my audience typically is on uh, platform A. Uh, they typically show up in uh, environment B. I'm going to now market. I'm going to go ahead and implement and I'm going to market on platform A and in environment B. That's it. You market there. Now, here's where a lot of people start getting a little crazy. They start throwing everything up in the air and whatever sticks works. It's not how that works, right? Because you, you, you know your audience, you then make the decision to intentionally communicate with that audience and show up the way they need. Something as simple as, hey, just because you owner, you like purple, does not mean that your audience who you're trying to get to spend money likes purple. That's so a dangerous one. Yeah. Usually the owner is not the same type of person as the audience. And I've, I've looked at that and been like, but wait, I like this. And I'm like, mm, I don't think my audience knows, you know, we're a data company data as well as I do. So if I go in thinking, here's what they need, I'm way off 
Right. Uh, I was just like, I'm not the audience. <laughs> you're not the audience. You're, you're to solve the audience's problem, which means I have to know my audience, become a student of your audience, know your avatar, know that. And I like to say, let's close our eyes and visualize our avatar. If you can't visualize your avatar, you have no business marketing and advertising anyway, because you don't know who you're talking to. If you're, if your market or your, your target audience are those that have uh, master's degrees and higher, and they work in a certain, they work in, let's just say they work as engineers. Okay, the brain works very different for, for civil engineers and, and as well as other industrial engineers, they work differently. So if that's your market, you got to talk to them the way they understand. We now, have a whole episode on this. Um, I think it was specifically about uh, targeting engineers. It, it might have been because it's such a, it's like, look, if you're a Star Trek guy and you're trying to market to Star Wars guys, you better get a Star Wars guy on your staff because you're going to screw it up. Um, yeah. so yeah. I want to, so I, I started off with a curveball here. We were going to cover some of the strategies in your book for the starting, stabilizing, scaling a business. And then I threw out the whole brand when, how's this work thing. And now I'm curious, are we into some of those tips al already, or yeah. are we still on a tangent here? I want to make sure the audience knew. No, we're, we're there. I just, I, I dropped, I dropped one of those strategies. And, and like I said, we're going to pimp your marketing and rip into the market with your advertising. Excellent. That's strategy one. So when you want to start, when you want to start a company, right, you start it. And then the goal is to get it to the place that it can be a proof of concept. That's why we start something. It's a proof of concept. After you said, okay, proof of concept, the audience needs it. Then you move over to stabilize, right? Where you can pay yourself, <laughs> pay for a team. And then you're going to scale it so that you can um, launch other products and services and really hire more people. So in the beginning of time, when you start out in the beginning of time and all the way through, one of the golden nuggets is to pimp your marketing and rip in with advertising, plan your marketing. Then you implement it. Then you have to monitor it. Then you have to pivot it. Here's what most people do. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Because remember, they're the janitor. They're the secretary. They're the CEO, the CFO. They're everybody, right? So what they do is they like throw the marketing out and they check it off as done. And hope it worked. Hope yeah. it works. There's been no monitoring. There's been no tracking to see if it's working. And if it's not working, because here what, here's what we know, right? If it's working, then why are you trying to fix it? Yeah. And I'd say, look, if, if this isn't, if this is your first company, unless you have like five successful exits, and then you can be pretty sure you know what you're doing exactly. The odds that you get it right on the first try are really, Very you'd soon. have, that would be a miracle. <laughs> Very soon. Very soon. And, and we know this, right? So, uh, you, you know, you guys know, you got to know your numbers. You can't have a marketing campaign that you rolled out and it's going to be the best thing since wheat bread in a month. Half the times it takes two or three months to collect enough quality data to know if you're even in the right direction. Right. So you put you put this out and you're like, okay, did the audience like it or did they not like it? Are we are we are we hitting the targets or are we not hitting the targets? Right. But if you don't ever go back and monitor it, you never know what works. And then what happens? You go back and you change it and you try something else. So we want to be careful. So that's one way to, to take a company from start, stabilize the skill is make sure you are respecting the process, especially with marketing and with advertising. Advertising is not used to open a market. It's not used to enter the market. It's used to reinforce and inform. You use marketing to enter a market. Once you've proven the concept, so you're not wasting time advertising, building, promoting your brand right. when, when, when you don't even have the, the product and the marketing right yet. No, because you will then in your marketing process, right? As you pimp your marketing in your marketing, you're going to realize what words work, what phraseology works, what, what marketing uh, channel works. Now, until you know that, then you have no business blowing money on advertising because advertising is used after you have perfected and you know who you're talking to. Then you go take your money and you get your copy together, you get your offer together, and then you deploy it to the appropriate list. Mm. Another thing is you have people that will go out and advertise before they even have a list. 
You can't. Who are you talking to? The air? <laughs> I would say those people watch Field of Dreams and they believe if you build it, they will come. They think yeah. their idea is so great and they don't realize they're just an insane guy in a cornfield and nobody's going to show up. No one's coming. No yeah. one's coming. That's so why I we have the, the term for this. Our podcast is called If You Market the shit out of it they will come they we will. say That's because not- you can't just build it and then know that they'll just show up you yeah. have to do the marketing the trench yeah. work do the work do the work i agree and so yeah so we just dropped one of the one of the the nuggets that we were going to cover today so absolutely um pimp it and rip it that's number one pimp it and rip it baby pimp it and rip it that's it <laughs> yes. so i think another thing that people that i've encountered when people are looking to, they go from start, stabilize to scale, right? And they need to market and they need to do this. And let me put this on the table. People start the business and then they say, I need money to market. I need money to market. Okay, true. What are the first thing people start thinking of? I'm going to go get a grant. I'm going to go get a loan. Now, I say people, stop a minute. If you go looking for a loan just to operate the just just to operate the business, who do you think is going to give you money to operate the business? The regular general daily operations of the business has to be funded wisely. So don't go looking for money at the beginning of time. Sell the product and sell the service. You can go and get money when you are scaling. So that you have more leverage. You and have you more- have a proof of concept to say, here's what I can do. I just need money to scale it now. I need money to scale it. I know where I'm going to market. I know who I'm marketing to. I know who I'm, I know who I'm selling. I know how to get my clients through the pipeline, right? right? So I need this money to do it better, do it faster, do it quicker. But if I don't know, you get this money. I'll give you a, a real, real story, right? When I first, 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 18 something years ago, and I stepped into the world of entrepreneurship, I walked into the credit unit and I said, I need $25,000, please. And thank you. And they said, who do we write the check out to? And what's it for? (laughs) They just gave the money and they gave me the money. And I, uh, the money went in the bank. And because I did not. Wait, what they did? Yeah, got the money. I'm cute. You see how cute I am? (laughs) (laughs) I was just joking. I was like, they told you to beat it. No, no, they gave you the money. You see this cute face, please. They gave me the money. All right. So I got the money and the 25 grand went straight into the bank. But guess what the problem was? I did not have a plan for every single dollar. So as quick as the money came in is as fast as it flew out, but I never accomplished a real solid goal with it. Now, here's the painful part. I still had to pay that money back. Yeah. So. Funding the business wisely is really important when you're trying to start it and, and then you want to stabilize it and then you want to scale it. I personally do not believe that as a startup company, a small business, one, don't go borrow money for daily operations. That's what you have products and services for. Go sell the products and services. If you don't know how to sell your product and service, how exactly are you going to win in this, in this very crowded, crowded space, Right very crowded. So learn how to fund the business wisely. Um, I'm sure people have thought of, well, I'm just going to go get a loan. I'm going to get a grant. I'm going to go get the SBA loan or something like that. All of the criterias are still there. What do you need it for? And here's the, here's the painful part. You walk in there and you're like, I need this money. And they're like, sure. Show me that you have 80% of the ask sitting in the bank. And you're like, uh, if I had the 80%, why would I be here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's another key thing when we're trying to take a business from start to stabilize to scale. Using money to position the business for um, higher movement, like purchase of a building. Um, you might want to enter a new market, right? Maybe you're maybe you purchase another business, right? So that's- money isn't for like, I have a great idea, this is the next big thing. Now let me go get some money and make it happen. It's like, great, you have a great idea. Start executing on it. Show that anybody else thinks it's a great great idea first. Not your mom. Don't sell it to your mom and then go get money. And then uh, and then maybe you can you can get money once you've identified that stuff, which is pretty cheap to do typically. Um, Mm -hmm. don't I think I've done your twenty five thousand uh mistake on a much larger scale myself. 
you think I'm going to get this money and scale. And even in our case, thinking it's going to scale the way you've actually planned and that it doesn't, and you end up wasting the money learning that you didn't have it nailed down properly yet. And that's right. a really expensive lesson because now once you do figure out how to do it, maybe you don't have the money and you're like, oh, maybe we should bootstrap figuring this out now before we get a bunch of debt unnecessarily again. Unnecessary debt. And that's, that's, that's a good point. Unnecessary debt. Because remember, once you borrow the money, if you've never learned how to sell the product or service, where are you going to get the money to pay it back? Hmm. You yeah. know, that's the painful part. So if you know how to sell it, uh, whatever you're selling, know how to move that thing. And then when you've gotten to your proof of concept, you're good to go. You can say, I got this thing down pat. Well, I'm moving a hundred units of X today, but you know what, if I had an additional, you know, maybe hundred thousand, I can double the move. Why? Because I know how to sell the product. I know I would how to say, make sure if you're going to do that, one thing I'd add on is you need to say, you know, your audience, um, if, if you sold that volume or you have that volume of sales and that's tapping your whole audience, getting the money isn't going to expand that. You, you have to have tapped a small percentage of your audience and need the money to get to the rest. So okay. if you have a product that you can deliver in your neighborhood and you're like, great, now I can expand out to other cities with this money it's not going to expand the same way in other cities. Maybe those other cities don't give a damn about your local neighborhood map or whatever it is you sold to the local people. Like you got to make sure if you want to now 10 X what you did initially as a trial that you only did it to 10% of the available audience, not to 99% of the sweetest part of the audience. And now it, it's not going to scale. Otherwise you can still run into a problem thinking you proved the concept, but you proved a, very niche version and that's as far as it that's can as go far as it's gonna go exactly um and that actually runs me over to another really important uh strategy or golden nugget that helps a business systems win people fail to use them every business every business must have systems and processes a business that does not have systems or processes are chaotic, they're money pits, and the leader or the owner of the business sleeps very little. And they it, are the business. They yeah. are the business. The business is not self-sufficient. It doesn't stand on its own. It, 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 it sucks everything out of you. You better have a very large insurance policy on the owner in that case. Because he's gonna, they're gonna kill over. They're gonna kill over. I'm telling you. It and is then the whole business is dead too. They were the whole business. Well, and that's the that is the the crux here where we have to learn to deal with right. As a bit when we start in a business, the goal to start a business is to make sure it's profitable. It's supposed to make money solving problems. That's what businesses do. You make money solving problems. I gotta that's take that quote. Too many people say the goal is to love puppies or the goal is to end global warming i'm like unless you're an end global warming company no it's not you make flip-flops make me a good flip-flop i need a flip-flop because i need a good flip-flop right yeah. i i need something to fix my plantar fasciitis mm -hmm. i don't care make me a shoe to fix my problem right i so, don't care about your kitten adoption center i, I got plantar fasciitis come on <laughs> fix my foot that's all i care about right and so when a company steps in you got to have systems and processes. Here's a here's an important one. Here's a basic one. What is the system that's used to manage the process of collecting money from customers? What is the system that's used to manage the process of booking appointments with customers? Right? I got another one. What is the system that's used to manage the process of exiting a client? You're probably going to get there, but I'm going to steal it from you. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Take it. You cannot do the scale part without the systems because Absolutely. the manual one person and he got sick. So nothing happened that week doesn't work without these systems. So nope. you can run your hot dog stand without systems. It would help if you had them, but you cannot scale a business. You get that money and you don't have systems. That's another way that can go wrong. You're like, great, now let's scale it. Oh, we don't have systems. This money just goes to waste. Things fall right. apart. It doesn't scale without systems. 
Well, and you know what? I'm going to I'm going to grab one back from you. I'm going to even get so elementary as the hot dog stand. Let me show you why the hot dog stand also needs systems and processes. Here's number one. You got a one man, right? You got Rufus selling some hot dogs. Rufus has to have a system for getting what? Hot dogs, buns, condiments, fuel. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about supply chain and systems and processes. So now we have a customer that comes up and Rufus is the one on the corner lot, like in New York City, right? Or you go to Seattle and you got the little food guy on the corner and you want the hot dog. I want the number one. I want the Rufus special. Rufus has a process for building the hot dog for the Rufus special, right? There's a, there's a system and a process. So even the lonely hot dog stand guy doesn't know it, but he has systems and processes. Now, suppose Rufus wakes up 10 years later and he realized, I got the best hot dogs in the world here. And Rufus says, I'm going to go buy another food truck thingy and I'm going to get on the other corner 10 blocks over. But guess what? Rufus can only be in one place at one time. Rufus's wife, right? Olive oil. She's like, I'll take it, honey. And olive oil says to Rufus, I know that should have been Popeye. I get it. Olive oil <laughs> says to Rufus, right? Honey, how do I make the Rufus special? The number one, nothing's documented. It's right up in here in the brain. Right. You gotta have systems and processes and you document it. Even that one man show, one woman show. And that ends up becoming, let's say now take a little farther. Rufus wants to franchise this. His hot dogs are so good. It's crazy. He taught his wife all the stuff. The systems and processes are what makes, or he wants to sell his company or what makes it have any value. If Rufus keels over and his wife never learned how to make the Rufus special, nobody's buying that. Maybe they'll buy the brand, but the business has so much less value without the systems and processes that allow other people to scale it. I, I referred it in the past to this as the hit by a bus policy. And when I would tell people, if you get hit by a bus on the way to work tomorrow, mm -hmm. how are people going to know what to do? It can't be in your head. We need, uh, you know, I think an SOP uh, because we need that so that, and then somebody corrected me recently and said, well, call it the one, the lottery. It's a little more positive. And I was like, good. I always felt weird saying that that way. And I like this. If you got, if you won the lottery and decided that uh, you were going to fly to an Island and never talk to anybody again, right. like, we got to know what to do here. I can't. Yeah. Like if you want to disappear case in point, like I, I like to hit the bus thing because it hits home a little bit more, but I like the, 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 when the lottery thing as well, but here, here's the, here's the whole, the whole thing behind. I it. could mix them. I could say, if you won the lottery and then got hit by a bus, then we, we get past the bus. Yeah. Put a bow on it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Right. If, if, if I, as the owner one day wake up and have the, have the audacity to want to go on a real vacation. Mm -hmm. Now let me define what a real vacation is for, for, for people who haven't had one in a while. That means you're not on your computer. You're not taking calls. You're not responding to emails. That means you're laid out on the beach somewhere with an adult beverage in your hand, comatose underneath the sun. And the business still runs. And the business still runs. So a real vacation means that I can step away from the business and it still operates efficiently. So when we don't have systems and we don't have processes, and we don't have anything documented, you're never going on a vacation. You're gonna spend all this energy doing all this work and then you wanna go spend the money to go on a vacation, but while you're on vacation, you're working. Now, let me tell you, let me run a little bit deeper with that. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go up seven layers deep on this one. Those of you guys who have children and you have a business and you're doing and you're working, you're working, you're giving it everything again. Your kids are looking at you like you're crazy. They're saying, you know what they're saying? I am never going to do that. You're not handing that business over to me, mom or dad, because what you're doing looks insane. You never have vacation. You're always tired. You're cranky. When we go on vacation, you're always on the computer. I can't get your attention. You know what, mom and dad? You don't even know how to have fun. You're not handing that business to me those children are going to go work elsewhere. They're, They're going to get a job at the DMV and you're going to be like, no. Right. It's like taboo, like business. I don't want it. So 
guys, if you have kids, you got to step back. What am I showing my kids? So if you don't have systems and processes and you don't have a way in which you can get the business to function on its own, you're not really scaling. If you're, if you're working in the trenches all the time and you're showing your kids a miserable, unhappy life, how are you going to sell that dream? Oh, you have independence. Your kids are going to be like, he can keep the independence. I want my peace and I want some happiness and I want to go on vacation. They're like you thought you were independent. You <laughs> were tied down to that thing. You were not right. independent. Uh-uh. Right. You just right. believed you were. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yep. Like a human hamster on a wheel. So being able to take this and say, all right, what are we doing here? Like sometimes as an owner, you have to step back. What are we doing? What am I doing here? What, what am I really doing? How, how is this going to sustain past me? Because we all will take a breath and we our first breath and our last, last breath in this world, every last one of us. Now, is it that between those two points, between those two points, all the blood, sweat, and tears, all the sweat equity that was put into your, to your company, do you want it to take its last breath with you? Or supposed to survive beyond you if the goal is that it can survive beyond you then we have to stop and do things differently i would say if you don't have systems and processes and you if you think you can't make them for your company your business your idea whatever it is then you don't really have you know the the stuff this podcast isn't for you right Right. now because you can only do the start maybe stabilize but scale's never going to happen well you can't even get that's it you can't even get to stabilize. You won't even get to stabilize. You'll get to start and you'll never leave the starting line. Why? Because it's like a human hamster on a wheel. You're going, you're never hitting milestones because suppose you have a dream to service 50 customers. But remember, in order to service 50 customers, you need money and manpower. If you can't develop the business through processes and systems, to, to scale it, just to get to the point of state, how are you going to serve 50 customers? Because you by yourself can only take care of 25. Right. So you're about to double the customer acquisition and it's still only lonely Rufus. Lonely Rufus, olive oil didn't show up yet. Oh, the Rufus can only do but so much. I don't care how fast you are. You can only make but so many hot dogs in a minute. Mm-hmm. Even if Rufus got to the point that I can make three hot dogs at a time. And I would say for people, Rufus's last name, they- is mcdonald so uh, <laughs> if you think that's a that analogy doesn't hold very well you have businesses like mcdonald's that are based on processes and yeah there's a lot of other stuff in brand but in order to sell franchise you have to sell a franchise maybe looking at another type of company like um where people think the person is the company you have yeah. a magician yeah and you're like, well, how's a magician going to scale? What kind of processes can they have? There are magicians that have sold their acts. You They're have not. to be able to put it down and say, here's how it's done. Here's how we do these things. Here's the steps. Here's the... And they'll have an act and they'll sell it for entertainers. Well, um, let's they... take, for example, the Barnum and Bailey. What do you mm-hmm. think that started from? How how do you think they got so big and massive? It started with, oh, we want to be these magicians. We want to be creative. We're gonna take... And then they had to sell that dream. The guy at some point said, I'm sick of performing every night and I only get paid if I perform. He's all right. I How can to- I scale this into a business instead of a I- job? Right. A job. Right. Is either it's going to be um, a very expensive, uh, like you said, hobby. Some people would say, oh, my God, a job, whatever you want to call it. If you're not scaling it, it's an expensive hobby. And I'd say if you have that and you like it. Okay, fine. Just don't think, don't go out and borrow money. Like you said, Don't yeah. <laughs> number two, don't go out and borrow money and think you're going to scale your hobby. If you can't make the systems and processes for it to be even feasible. That's it. That's it. So awesome. I, I love this stuff. Let me tell you, I, I live for this stuff 18 years in, and I still drool at strategy and branding and all that good stuff. I absolutely love it. But in my time of being in business, I've made my fair mistakes. And I, I come into this space at this point, I say, you know, you do, you know, I've taken one for the team already. I've taken one for the team already because we've all taken one for the team. We've all made mistakes. So it is our due diligence to kick it back out and say, hey, listen, I want you to be careful of these missteps. Now, here's here's golden nugget number five. This is where you go from start. Wait, what was I? I didn't catch four. I think I'm we blended it in there, maybe. It's <laughs> like I'm moving too fast. All right. So that's a good one. So let me back up on it for everybody. Right. So the first golden nugget is you got to be able to pimp your marketing and rip into advertising. You brand your market, then you advertise. Right. Then the second one that we talked about was making sure that you are really 
funding your business respectfully. You got to fund your business. Don't go looking for money uh, to fund the daily operations. You got to fund the business from a space of, I am scaling it. So therefore I need money to help me get to the next place. Okay. All right. And then we talked about making sure that systems and processes are in place. Systems and processes are in place, right? So wait, I think I was about to cheat you guys. That was number three. My ah, gotcha. You. Okay. You got me. You got we're me. just we're flowing so much. I thought we just did four, and it didn't uh, wasn't specific. Right, right. Uh, where you? No. Where we? Did what did there. I, I mean, we it. don't have to. I'm sorry, people, but we might not get through five. You might have no, to go get the book and get all twenty five. So let's hit number four and let's see what we can get in here. But you know what? We're gonna give it to them. We're gonna give it to them because they they need this stuff. That's what we're here to do, right? So listen, numbers. The the other golden nugget. I want to give you guys is okay hire your weakness hire your weakness and leverage all the talents you have around you when do you hire your weakness first don't think because you're the CEO that you have to go and get a VA first or you have to go and get an accountant first say for example you do very well with operations and and you are a project manager by first profession maybe a project manager but you suck at money then your first hire is supposed to go and be right the accountant now flip it let's say you're great with money but you suck at project management you suck at the operational stuff or the marketing you're listening to natasha and you're like this doesn't make sense okay then hire somebody it does make sense for <laughs> don't think that you're just because you're the owner don't don't put yourself in a space well i gotta get a view and i gotta get this no hire your weakness first whatever it is that you are the weakest at that is what you hire then after you've taken care of all your weaknesses and they're they're cooking with crisco then you go and duplicate yourself by hiring people with skills that you that you already possess so that you can build and move the company. I might give people one caveat on hire your weakness that a variation of that that could work would yeah. be have a roommate that's your weakness because then you can partner with it. That's so many startups are roommate in college, but, 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 okay, we, we fit, we were peanut butter and, uh, and chocolate and it worked out. There's tons of people think like, oh, so whoever your roommate, no, not if your roommate sucks. Right. Those, those roommates only work out when they both happen to be very good at complimentary, complimentary things. Exactly. Um, but you can partner with your weakness too sometimes mm -hmm. because you can't, um, I learned the hard way that you can't pay someone to care. Yes. So you absolutely. can hire your weakness, but they may not give a damn and they may be looking at the next job. Um, like when you partner with someone uh, rather than saying, I want hundred percent of the business, and you partner with your weakness, you, that person is now in the same boat as you with the same goals. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, and that's a great point. Like if you're at a space, you're like, I'm going to do a collaborative, I'm going to do a partnership. Definitely. You want to hire the opposite of who you are so that you guys can really put that business together. If you're not in a partnership like that, for whatever reason, then definitely you want to hire that person. Now, how do you hire that person? You can hire them as a W2 or a 1099. Somebody Right now, I know what you're saying. I can't afford to hire anybody. This is insane. I can barely pay myself. Okay, that's the reason you hire your weakness, even if you intern them. The first four years of my business, when I started in business 18 years ago, the first four years, not only were they hell, but the first four years, I staffed my business with interns, unpaid interns. However, I did have a job description for them because I needed them to know what they were going to do. What did I also do? I looked at them in very short lens view. I didn't look at them like, oh my God, they're here. They're going to be here forever. No, they're not. If they're there 30 full days, you're lucky. Right. So, so you, you're not building their brand. You're like, you have a task, do it. I got tasks for you. I got you. You're, you're an intern. You need to learn something, maybe to do a capstone project for school. And I need this task here done. Yep. Get your interns, look at them in two week and four week views, get the tasks checked off and taken care of. Then as you are deploying them, you can now focus on your strengths. Why? Because customers are paying you for your strengths, guys. They're not paying right. you for weaknesses. Excellent. And I, I'd, uh, another thing I might, um, I, I might offer in there, you want to hire your weaknesses, but, and you're saying the person says, oh, but I don't have any money. 
you you don't have to hire somebody immediately. No. Like you may have a weakness and that might be holding you back, but until you can make a sale, maybe you can't afford or have some sort of base amount. Okay, go out and do it yourself until you can afford that. It's very dangerous to spend money you don't have to hire a weakness when you have no clue if you can make sale one or if anybody's interested in what you're doing. Yeah, that's when you grab those interns. Go get some unpaid interns. They need the experience. They probably needed to check off like for their school project or whatever. Head on over to a college or a university where they have students. You want the ones that are in their senior year. Don't go pull a freshman. They don't know anything. You want senior year. They're getting ready to graduate somewhere. And you go get yourself some unpaid interns because they need it on their resume. You treat, you treat it as a job. They are to respect it as a job. They get the experience. You get the work done. You can focus on your strengths and you can move on with it. Unpaid interns are still very viable uh, to this day. You can do that. Just make sure that you treat it as an actual job. Give them a job description. Give them a task. Again, have systems and processes. How are they supposed to complete the task? How do they not notify you when the task is done? all that good yummy stuff. So definitely take care of your team. You can build, start to build your team. Sometimes people get like, oh my God, uh, intern's not a, a, a team member. Yes, they are. Hmm. If you use them for what they're good for. Yeah, exactly. Leverage the talents of the people around you. Probably easier than ever now that, that so much is remote too. I mean, you're talking about marketing. It's, yeah. you don't, your pool of talent for interns is not whatever's around you. I'm sorry. You might be in the middle of nowhere, but do you have an internet connection? Like what's your business? All I need. Yeah. Right. Do you have internet? Does, I just need good yeah. internet. That's all I need. And do you understand whatever platform that you're working on? Do you understand this social platform? Make them demonstrate that they understand it because you can have a problem where you pay, you say you're at a point where you say, well, I'm going to pay someone and you're going to hire them. Suppose they don't know what they're doing. Just because they wrote it on a piece of paper on a resume, that's fine. Make them demonstrate it. Make them demonstrate it before you start com uh, committing to pay. All right. I want to give them their number five because I don't want to cheat anybody. I'm a, I'm a faithful woman, y'all. I'm a faithful woman. All right. So here we go. Here's another really great golden nugget when you want to start, stabilize, and scale your business. You need to price your business for profits. You got to price your business for profits. What do I mean by that? Don't come out the gate with a price that looks round and sexy and cute because everybody else in the industry is rolling out that price. Don't come out with a price that's lower than the market because you wanna be competitive. And don't come out the gate with a price that's so significantly higher because you wanna, you wanna brand yourself as a top echelon. No, you wanna price your business appropriately for profit. So therefore, when you look at your business, the first thing you need to do is understand how much does it really take to operate your business every month. And then you back, you reverse engineer and you back it up to every day. Most small businesses that I've come across, I've done talks and, and uh, different mentorship programs. They have no idea how much it costs to operate their, their business every month, no idea. They just have a roundabout number. So know how much it costs to run the business then I want you to back it out and say, here's how much it costs every day. Now, when you get down to the, the, the root of it, the way that you build your profits is you have to actually add a profit margin to that total cost. And then when you bill for it, it has the profits in it. Now, don't forget taxes, because in five years, it. when you've never paid taxes and they come after you, you're going to say, coming. oh, no. And that was my profit margin. <laughs> yeah, they're totally coming for you. They're totally coming for you, right? Now, so when you go in, what do people say? Traditionally, financially, what do we know? Revenue, right? We have all these revenues and then we have expenses and then we have profits. No, it's revenue. Take out the profits, stick it in the account, and then you cover the expenses. You're talking fiscal responsibility here. You're saying we're not cutting the profits. We're cutting what we're spending on if we can't. There's only two ways to make more money in business. You either increase your price or you spend less. You either, mm. you either increase the price, get more customers, or you spend less money. I don't care who's talking. There's only two ways to make more money in a business. Spend less or go and sell more. That's it. It's real simple, isn't it? So mm -hmm. if you know what you're spending, you can control it. Let me tell you what, the thing that gets a lot of businesses, large, medium, and small, and, and even small ones, are all of these technological subscriptions that we have. We got so many subscriptions 
we forget half of the subscriptions we have and half of them we're not even using. Audit your expenses every quarter and look to, are we even using this anymore, right? $9.99 every month here, $19.99 here, $29.99, $49.99, $189, and all of these prices. And before you realize it, you're spending over $500 a month on technology and half of them you're not even using. And I would say even if you can afford that, even if you still have your profit margin, that's $500 you could put into something else that would help you grow more. You could hire another person part-time or something, maybe an intern or something. Yeah. Uh, Anything you spend more efficiently. Using it, get rid of it. If you're spending it, if you're paying for something and you're not using it, why is it still there? I don't care if you're spending $5 or 500 for it. I don't care. It's, if you're not using it, it's an expense. And to your, to your point perfectly, Sky, you can reallocate, earmark that money for something else. Hire someone else so we can continue to drop the unemployment rate. How about you give your team a, a better rate, maybe? Maybe you've been paying them peanuts. They're giving you everything they have. Well, we got this extra $1,000 a month. How about you divvy it, divvy it up and say, you know what? I'm going to pay you some more money. Give because one person a month a $500 bonus, employee of the month, and suddenly watch everybody start kicking ass. Yeah, they start acting like they care about something, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't pay them to care, but you can incentivize them. It's a they weird thing. Incentivize, right. when, when you pay somebody, it becomes expected. And then that's just, that's the baseline. But when you incentivize, it's why sales and commissions is just the model. When you incentivize, once you give somebody something, that's the baseline now. But if it's a known somebody's going to win this, if you can make them compete for it, suddenly they care. I feel yeah. like you have to make your employees or, or allow your employees to compete, yeah. to use the human nature built-in yeah. mechanism that can ruin your business if you ignore it. And think yes. everybody should be robots. And I paid this guy a whole bunch of money. So now he's going to kill it. Right. Maybe not. Human nature can be a bitch and it'll come right. in and be like, what do you mean? You paid him a bunch of money. That's just his pay. Now he shows up. Right. What's his motivation? You're like, you got a salary. <laughs> yeah. But what's his motivation? Like you still got to right. motivate people. You still got to motivate people some way, somehow. So that's what we, that's what we wanted to do today is just give these five golden nuggets. One of the five of the 25 that I shared in. In my book, I wanted to simplify it. You know, there is a simple, straight roadmap to take when you want to start something, you want to stabilize it, and you want to scale it. We can take out all the fluff, uh, but these things are those high point things. We can take care of it. In the small business community, a lot of these things get overlooked um, or underappreciated. And five out of 25, that's only 20%. There's 80% more of this. Yeah. This is me. I'm being a pitch man for your book. There's yeah. 80% more. And I'm like, wait, those five seem like it kind of covered it. I don't know how you, you came up with 20 more things. I thought we we're done. <laughs> Damn. You, I was dropping golden nuggets like it's crazy, right? They was making it rain. I'm making yeah. it drop gold nuggets all over the place. <laughs> I, I love it. These are great. Um, so we got through the five. There's one thing we haven't got to yet, though. Yeah. And that's Natasha. Yeah. Like I gave you a really roughly stumbled through introduction at the beginning but here at the end let's cover you who you are how you got into the company that 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 you have now all the mistakes you made to get there so other people don't have to make them and kind of also importantly what your company does who you do it for like listeners if they listen to all this and they're like that all sounds great but we don't have the people guess what natasha does that for our business you can go talk to her That's um, it. so That's so like it. what you guys do over there and who for as well as you let's start with you once you get to where you're at now um we can uh, and then um we'll talk about your company and what it does for people absolutely so who am i i am the business i am the woman that woke up one day and realized that there was more to me than what i was doing uh, my first profession as a registered nurse worked in the emergency department loved what i did um really did loved what i did fast forward into that a couple years in close to about eight or nine years in i hit this crossroads where i knew that there was more to me than than what i was seeing and what i was doing and i remember i was working my shift i was working a 12-hour shift and at the end of my 12-hour shift i'm in the parking lot just feeling like just done you know just feeling like i've been run over like a scurvy dog i'm still I'm, i know something's not right i get in my car and i am bawling i'm crying because i'm like 
this can't be it. There's more to me than, than what it is. I felt like I was, I felt like I was like, you know, being a sucker in life. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it was more to me. I think a and, lot of people have done that in the last couple of years now with COVID. Yeah, you're right. Like you're sitting here and you're thinking I'm wasting my time. Like you punk, like you scaredy cat, get up and go do the bold thing that you, you have up in your head. Right. And so I was really disgusted and frustrated with myself. I was just sick and tired of myself playing small. And that was the big turning point for me. It was, it was pivotal for me. I stepped into entrepreneurship it was hard. It was scary, but I did that thing. You know, I did that thing. I, I, I wrote and published three books. Um, I became a certified uh, contractor with the government to do business. And on top of that, I developed my own software. So in the past 18 years, I've been just a tad bit busy. Right. And so with my, so this was what you were as a nurse as late as like 2016 around that time. Mm, I was nursing. Oh yeah. Earlier. I was at the bedside. I probably was no more. uh, I wasn't at the bedside after probably, I want to say 2010. At the 2010, I was no longer at the bedside um, because I was doing, I had, I had one toe in business and I had the other toe in because my, you know, that's my safety blanket. You know what I mean? I'm getting my checky check. You You still need to pay the bills. Yeah. I still need to pay the bills. I got my little checky check. Right. And, but I was so hungry every time I stepped into my entrepreneur's shoes, I, w- I felt so alive and I was so hungry for it and I wanted more. And I really was scared. I was scared to, to, first of all, I felt like a hypocrite. You went to school and you got your nursing degree. You got your master's in nursing. You're kicking it, right? But now you have the audacity to want to leave nursing. You traitor, you hypocrite. I mean, the voices in your head will mess you up if you don't get control of that thing, right? And so once I got, you know, I put my big girl draws on and I said, you got to step out here now, right? You're going to go do this thing because you're not whole, you're not happy doing this anymore, right? You're not even, you're not even in that space. So you say one day, but was there an incident that triggered this? I feel like it's watching a crime show and suddenly somebody goes on a spree and they're like, what triggered it? Oh, like something happened with a family member or a divorce, Mm -hmm. something like, did you have a patient that died? So many people with COVID, somebody close to them died or just being at home and seeing what's going on. They're like, this is life. Typically people need, like you can be pacified throughout your life and never know it. If the, if, if you don't have, and it's almost like people need a near death experience at some early point. And, And I find a lot of extremely successful people have something traumatic happen in their childhood and that catalyzes them to be successful instead of just being pacified for like, was there some trigger event in, in nursing that made you say, whoa? Yeah. Yeah. So what really happened, um, you know, when I think when, when we think back, go back to that day and I go back to that day, the day when I was in my car, just bawling that day was hard uh, for, it was a hard working day. And I felt so disconnected and, and disconnected from what I was doing. At the time, I wasn't being a team player. I was like that mean nurse, you know, the mean or the mean nurse coming in. I wasn't a team player. And I remember at the time my boss called me in and required me to work an extra shift. And well, back up. I was called into the office for my performance evaluation. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, first of all, we needed you to work an extra shift. Well, I was like, well, I'm only hired to work three days. I did my three days because the other days I was in the shoes of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't work the day, but that wasn't their business. I didn't need to tell them that. And I was calling for my performance eval and I'm sitting here doing my performance eval. And this was the first thing that was like, I'm so done with this. She dinged me. Because she said, I wasn't a team player. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. And she said, well, because you didn't perform well, I'm not going to be able to approve you for your 3% raise. Three, and you're like, wait, that's what I would have won? Was it three? That was winning? <laughs> 3%, y'all. Three, 3%. But she was I, right. Like, you weren't performing well, right? No, I wasn't. I was, I was like... Right. I took care of my patients. I was good with my patients, but with my team, they was like, could you help me? I'm like, help yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't even want to be here. <laughs> right? Come right, to right. The- I don't want to be here, you know? So that was <laughs> your like, I'm performing here and this is it. This is it. And yeah. here's what I didn't want. I did not want my name to be attached with a slacker employee. I never wanted that. 
never, because I love nursing. To this day, I still love nursing. I just don't practice nursing. I love nursing. I never wanted to be tagged as that nurse, that team player, you know? And so that day took place 3%. I got threatened. I was livid. I was in the car. I was bawling. The end of that week is where she wrote me up. At that point, were you upset because you weren't going to get the 3% raise? Or did you have the epiphany already of, if I had been amazing, my reward would have been a 3% raise. And I'm not happy with that. Like, that's not the life I want. I didn't even care about the 3%. I couldn't care less. The, the, you know what pissed me off, honestly, was that I didn't want to be there. And I was mm. staying there knowing that there was better for me to do. Like, I knew I was a beast in the business world. And I was downplaying myself and I felt pissed with myself because here's what it was. I allowed this person to degrade me for three friggin' percent, knowing that I should have left already. And rightfully so. I would say that person did their job well. And they did it very well. They, they did gave it you your near death experience to say, yeah. oh, there's more than this. This is what I'm living and it's not mm -hmm. living. Um, I, I've got it for me now. Maybe some people are very happy as nurses and it's a great job for them, sure. but that just wasn't your spot. And that kind of showed that to you. No, it wasn't for me. I knew that it wasn't for me. And don't get me wrong. I, I respect people across the board. I respect those that want to be in business. I respect those that who choose not to be in business. I respect every last person. I'm not the person that says everybody should be an entrepreneur. I don't believe that. So I respect everyone. If you feel, here's my thing, whatever you're doing, do it well. I want, that's all I say. And so I was in nursing. I loved nursing, but I didn't want to be there anymore. So I wasn't even doing it well. I wasn't even being a good team player. I could do even what I was doing better if I would give a hundred percent attention to my business. Right. So whatever it is that somebody's doing, just do it well. I don't care if you work for someone or you have your own business, just be a beast at it. No matter as, what, as they say in Caddyshack, the world needs ditch diggers too. And they yeah. actually do. Maybe that shouldn't be your lifelong career, yeah. but there are different jobs at different uh, spots. And yes, some people are professional nurses and it's a great job for them and they love oh. it. And that's their calling. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. If everybody was an entrepreneur, that would be a terrible world. That'd be a terrible world oh to live in. <laughs> terrible world to live in, terrible right? World. Terrible world. So I respect everyone with, with their decision. My thing is just be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. Be honest and authentically um, true to self. That was the thing. And I wasn't being true to myself and I wasn't being authentic. So that was the big turning point for me when I shifted off. And then I, I ventured in and the years came on. I had my learning lessons. I told you about my money experience. I learned that that was not a good idea. I've hired family. I found out that was not a good idea. You don't just hire folk just because they can. Uh, don't do that. Um, I made my mistakes. I took on customers that I should have never taken on just because I was looking at the dollar. We all make those crazy mistakes and I, I learned from each one of them. And today, here I am as the CEO of Impact Branding, loving what I'm doing. And what we do is really, we do the strategic planning for companies, for large companies, medium companies, government agencies. And what we do is we make sure that companies have sustainable and profitable brands, right? So if, you're if, if a company's day-to-day -day operations are not efficient, that's where Impact Branding comes in. Nice. I, excellent. I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Natasha, thank you for coming on the show. This has been great. We just flowed right through. Uh, so much to take away here. I, I love your story. Um, we don't typically spend that much time on somebody's story, but oh, gosh. I, I, want, I want to dig in there. I, I like that. Uh, that I think that's a very important transition for people. And I have wondered if there's a way to force a near-death experience on people sometimes where it's just like this person needs to go on some sort of Australian walkabout and <laughs> to find their purpose. I think maybe that's what ayahuasca and that kind of stuff is really. It's like you're having a near-death experience. Yeah. Drugs aren't giving you an epiphany. You can get the same thing by doing five rounds with Mike Tyson. Like exactly. you would have an epiphany after that. <laughs> you're beating the hell out of yourself and thinking exactly. you're going to die. Exactly. Like that'll do it, man. Um, Okay. So I want to thank all the listeners. Of course, you can find more on the show notes about, uh, about Natasha also at impact brand impact branding consulting.org. This will be on the show notes. We'll have a link to your book, the 25 valuable golden nuggets. 
um, that's that's available now. Anywhere else that people can can find you? You know, find me on any social platform. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I do a lot of great information. Um, I'll drop some golden nuggets as well, some tips, articles, blogs. So um, just keep up with me. I do video blogs as well to drop, I call them five simple steps. So I give a lot of great information there, but yeah, keep up with me. If you go to the website, you'll connect with me. And if you find us on social media, you will find me as well. Awesome. Yeah, check out the show notes. For, for these links and everything, if you market.com for all the information on Natasha Davis, you can find it there and then go to her places to find even more. And um, I want to thank the listeners, of course, for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, they will come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.